Hello and welcome to your favorite hour of the week. It's the Arrowhead Pride Preview Podcast. We're previewing Monday Night Football. Pete Sweeney here with the player, Sean Barber. Joel, I understand you wanted to introduce yourself. I wanted to steal Sean's nickname. You guys can start calling me the Barber Shop. <laughs> I guess that makes you the blog father, Sean Barber. 2K. The so Barber here, Shop. So here we go, boys. It's a new week. Chiefs had a long break. Tell me something good. Yeah, you know, had a long break off from content. Tell me something good. They've lost two in a row, and it's been a long week. It's actually been horrible, not good. I feel bad right now. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't feel that bad. They're still 5-2, and two, and they're still going to make the playoffs. Still playing okay. in January. I guess I, I realized that uh, 16-0 is going to have to wait until 2018. That's right. I mean, let's always see. next year. Always you next always year. think it's going to happen, and all of a sudden something happens, and the Dolphins are popping them bottles again. <laughs> all right, so here we go. It's Monday Night Football. Of course, Sean McDonough and John Gruden on the call, ESPN. Another Gruden game, always interesting. I want to look at, instead of just the last game, you know, now we've had seven games. Chiefs are 5-2. and two. Joel, I'll start with you. What have we learned about the Chiefs through seven games so far? That there's a wide range to this thing. You know, I think the Chiefs floor, a lot of Chiefs fans probably hope, is probably, you know, just, just, a, just a playoff appearance and a first-round exit, which I've seen from the Chiefs. They, they, you know, lost to the Steelers, the Raiders, you know, potential playoff teams. Like, I could see that happening. But I've also seen them, you know, go on a run and beat, you know, multiple good teams in a row, uh, which they'll need to do in the playoffs. So, Man, I, I, I still don't know much about this team, to be honest, but there's just a huge range on what they can do. It can be really disappointing, or they've shown us they're also capable of making a run. What I've seen in the team is um, we have depth. We have, we have young guys that can step up and play. We have first, second, third-year players that are playing like savvy veterans. So that's encouraging about the future team. As far as the Chiefs right now, they just have a problem with beating teams that are desperate. We face some very desperate teams that have, they have their playoff life on the line. It's only week uh, six, week seven but they're, they're backs against the wall, and we're getting their best shot. We're getting guys come out throwing haymakers at us, and we're playing pro- progressively just getting better each week. Yeah, I think the Chiefs are still a very good football team, and I think there's something real to peaking a little too early. So I don't love the two losses, but at the same time, it keeps you, keeps you humble. Sit down and be humble. Now you come back on Monday night and get back on track. All right, let's get into the news. Stop the presses. Steve Nelson, your boy, is back. Yeah, it looks like he's practicing this week. Seems like he's got a shot to play. I think he plays. Yeah. It just seems that way to me. Yeah, no. Um, and and I, I just don't want to make too much of Steve Nelson's return. Um, if he does come back this week, you know, it's not like it's Justin Houston, you know, or, or somebody like that last year. I, I think he'll be an upgrade from what they've got. But, you know, I don't, I don't think this is like a game changer so much. I think that's a fair way to feel. Sean, how do you feel? Well, I think he's gonna come in and be number three, so he'll push, you know, Philip. I guess he push Philip to number two, push Philip to battle with thirty-nine on the other other corner. So them two can kind of split that second corner position. I mean, what we need is somebody that can come in and play the slot. And this game, I think, is probably one of the games where we really don't need it that much because uh, Denver's, you know, their passing their wide receivers isn't the highlight of their team. They don't have a, they don't go three and four deep like um, the Raiders and like Pittsburgh did where the third and fourth wideouts was Juju <laughs> and then different guys that could hurt us. A lot, a lot of bad Juju in a that game. A lot of bad Juju in that game. So I, I just think he'll come in. I mean, if he plays 15, 20 snaps at the slot, um, locking down that slot position, kind of getting his rhythm and his timing back, it should be a great thing for the future of the defense. See, I think the offensive line isn't as sexy position as cornerback, but 
in a way, I think we're burying the lead here because Mitch Morse will finally be back, and that'll give Alex Smith a little bit more comfort, maybe get back to that new Alex mode I think we haven't seen in two weeks. Yeah, that's kind of been underrated the last few weeks. I'm, you know, you, you almost forget that the Chiefs were, miss, were missing a couple of starting linemen because Zach Fulton stepped in so well. Cam Irving, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be glad to get LDT back. And I think it's a bigger deal when they're next to each other because right. then you're almost creating a quote-unquote like bigger hole right yeah. there in the O-line. Yeah, I mean, it's something that uh, definitely as a defensive coordinator, if you're looking for a, a target on the back of the Chiefs, a place to try to penetrate the offensive line, you're going with the two backups at. Now with, you know, having Mitch come back, it kind of lets everybody get back to their natural position. And like we said, the offensive line has been a strength for the Chiefs the first two, two or three weeks. And I'm looking forward to get back to that strong point. Just a quick point. I, I'm starting to think we really won't see Parker Enger for a long time. It, it's starting to seem yeah. like he's going to be more depth than a starter again. Yeah, I've, I've seen a number of Chiefs fans asking, like, is he healthy yet? And I'm like, I think he's I think he's healthy. Yeah, he's not on the injury report, so he should be healthy. He's just not playing at this point. Um, so I guess in, in some ways you still got more depth to develop, you know, down the road. That's another mid-round pick you won't you may not need on a guard, you know, next year. Sure, Kendrick West should be back from his concussion. And I know there's probably some pride heads out there that have two times, you know, their spouse in the past or former girlfriends, boyfriends. The Chiefs have now four times CJ Spiller. That's, poor poor that's, Spiller. That's tough. That's a tough deal. It's, it's the nature of the game, man. That's just the kind of the beast of the NFL. When you're you're a veteran, if you're not on that opening day roster, man, you kind of you got to ride the wave. Hey, but at this point, he gets paid. That's so right. That's a lot better than getting cut in August when paychecks aren't going out. That's true. That's true. All right, on to some more news. Justin Houston pops up on the injury report on Thursday. Was limited with a knee. Worry scale, because for me, I won't even tell you. I, I'll start with you guys. What's your worry scale on this? Uh, pretty low at this point. You know, I, I feel like he's had this, like he's been on the injury report for a knee injury like multiple times over several years. So I, I just always assume this is one of those things where they just rest him a little bit, especially on the first practice of the week um, as a veteran. So I'm not that worried about it. Yeah, uh, I say my, my, my worry level is a three. You know, it was more probably of a planned maintenance type rest day instead of a Oh, my knee is so swollen. I'm, I'm going through some things. I, I think it was probably more just for maintenance. You know, I'm going to just go a little higher. I'm not super worried about this, but anytime I see a sentence or a diagram with Justin Houston knee, it gets, gives me the heebie-jeebies a little bit. Yeah. I just don't like to see that. So well, I'm going to go five. He's been hurt at some point each of the last, like, three or four it's years. It's like, can you get 100% healthy Justin right. Houston for one season? No, so I think that's fair to have some worry based on past history. On the Broncos' side of the injury report, 11 different Broncos with injuries on the report. There were three that didn't practice early in the week, but these were Veterans Day off. Jamal Charles was included in that. We'll get into him. So they're feeling a little bit too, uh, but as we'll, I think, talk about a little bit more later, they seem to all be kind of getting back for this Chiefs game, which is a little unfortunate. I mean, you never root for injuries, but, man, maybe take another week off. You know, that'd be nice. Yes, and uh, Derek Wolf's on that injury report. Broncos lineman, he's really good. If he doesn't play, I think that's significant. And Shane Ray should be back too. So, yeah. Sugar, Sugar Shane Ray. Sugar Shane Ray from the KC Mo. Yeah, back to play in his the place he grew up. He's got a Kansas City Chiefs tattoo on his body. So I'm sure he's going to be juiced for this now, game. Now, Sean, let me ask you. Oh, here we go. Can you have a tattoo of your rival team if you're playing in the NFL? You're talking to a guy who switched to his rival, yeah. rival team, too. <laughs> I have no loyalty when it comes to <laughs> tattoos. I mean... Uh, I've known some guy like Eddie Kennison, right? He has tattoos of about eight different teams. Every team you play for, you got a tattoo, kind of a oh yeah, uh, a history path along his uh, you know, I sleeve don't, of of the teams he's played for. I don't like to talk about this a lot, but I had to have a Chiefs.com tattoo removed from my my left back. 
What? Earlier this year. Please tell me this is true, Pete. You have pictures to prove it. I love Chief.com at the time. Got a tattoo, and you know now it's gone. Great service. Eight grand in the hole to remove it. Contact <laughs> me if you need that contact. Uh, all right, moving on. Marcus Peters seems to be coming more and more polarizing in Kansas City. You have Therese Paler, really nice article about what Peters does for his community in the Kansas City Star, and then all of a sudden Kent Babb from the Washington Post with sort of the opposite point of view. What are you guys feeling about Marcus Peters right now, Sean? I'll start with you. Um, I've always loved his stance. Um, he stands for something that means something to me. So, And the fact that he's been able to um, use his career as a platform, use whatever portion of the uh, pregame national anthem or postgame interviews. I mean, he's, he's a very flamboyant, outgoing kid. And he chooses to keep his words to a minimum when it talks about social issues. But if you want to find out just you know how he feels about it, you know, anything during the day, if you ask him, he's going to be very blunt and honest. He's not going to sugarcoat his words or try to make it politically correct when he speaks to you. I mean, he speaks from the heart. And that's you gotta sure. appreciate that's 100%. That, I mean, you feel me? this guy is not <laughs> politically correct. How do you feel? Uh, I like I like Peters a lot. I like uh, when when players stand for things, which which he's doing something that, you know, he believes in. You know, reading some of the pieces this week, it just reminded me that Kansas City is a really big place. Uh, people have a lot of different opinions. So, you know, always keep that in mind. But, man, I like Peters a lot. Plays very, very passionate. Obviously takes it over the line once in a while. But overall is a huge net positive for the Chiefs. Yeah, I don't want to make this into a political discussion, but I think it's just interesting when you have a stance and one that people may not agree with. You know, those tinks in the armor on the field, they become a little bit greater just because, you know, people are going to pile on. And I, I just don't think that's fair. I think this is still an elite player that the Chiefs have, and I think the Chiefs are, are very lucky to have him. Now, getting into this game. Uh, Monday night football once again. The drama of this game. Jamal Charles, the all-time leading rusher in Kansas City, coming back. Yeah, it's going to be weird. It's going to be really weird. Wearing number 28, that Denver uniform. I'm sure a lot of Chiefs fans are going to be waiting for that, that first moment when they come out. If you, if you have an opportunity, if you, if you like Google like Kansas City Chiefs and go to Pinterest, like one out of every four pictures is Jamal Charles. Like it's, it's Jamal Charles. Like it's, it's like a highlight of Jamal Charles. Every touchdown run, every little statistic, everything. It's all these you know great little swipes and – effects of his pitcher and stuff like that. I mean, he, he is, he's going to have to go down as one of the great Chiefs because he's the all-time leading rusher for our organization. Got to know this before we get into more about Charles. What, what do I find on the Sean Barber Pinterest account? Yeah. Uh, I was just Googling it. I am more interested <laughs> in this. <laughs> There's a lot of good recipes. We want a, a great quiche, a good breakfast quiche, you know. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, a lot of good things, man. Yeah, recipe things. for some good, good do you, fried Do you chicken. call your Pinterest page the barbershop? No, I don't. I don't. I go by ghost name when it comes to uh, <laughs> social media. So, Okay, interesting point here from Jamal. He was asked about, obviously, coming back to Kansas City this week. Here was his quote. I feel like I'll always be a chief. I talked to Mr. Clark Hunt and Andy Reid when Dorsey was there. I talked to them, and they said they would love for you to come back and retire as a chief. Who knows if that means you know, one day or to do a final season. A little unclear. Continuing the quote, I have so much history going back there, being drafted, making Pro Bowls and all pros and making the playoffs. My wife's cousin even got murdered there. So there's a lot of sad memories and a lot of happy memories there, too. It's a lot of stuff that's back there that's in my past. You know, obviously bringing up that terrible 2012 situation as well. You know, there's a lot of feelings that go into spending so much time uh, with a team 
in your career. It also came out that he was looked at by Seattle and San Francisco, and you know they didn't want him. Interesting point about Charles joining the Broncos. There was one time I interviewed him off camera, and he, he really loved the Broncos growing up. So you're really not picked where you're drafted. I think this is always a team that he maybe wanted to play for, but in his heart, he's still a chief. Here was Andy Reid on Jamal Charles coming back. He's a good player. Great kid, great, great player. I'm glad he's back and playing. I said this the other day, I'm, I'm pulling for him, except when we play him, but I'm pulling for him. He's that kind of person. Go down as one of the all-time greats, not only in the NFL, but also uh, with the Chiefs. So some classy words from Andy Reid. Now, as far as booing or cheering this guy, what will fans do on Monday night? I think most will cheer him, which I think is the right move. That's, that's what I would do if I were sitting in the stands down there. I don't think he's one of your like classics, you know, sports villains. You know, like after Neil Smith left in '98, I probably would have booed him when he came back because that one hurt a little bit. But like, I guess the thing that takes the sting out of this is everyone knows in five years Jamal Charles is going to be back here getting put into the Ring of Honor. No one's denying that. So if somebody, frankly, if somebody wants to, you know, boo him this last game, he's coming to Kansas City. Like it's sports. You come to Arrowhead, you're a rival, you get booed. Like I don't think there's any hard feelings. So I wouldn't boo him, but I don't really fault anybody that does. Our fan base is great, man. I think that they, they're a very classy bunch. And, I, I, and I, I mean, my opinion is that most of it, like 95, 98% of our fans are going to get up and give him not only ovation, a standing ovation. I think they're going to they're gonna like salute Jamal Charles for everything he's done for this organization. The amount of, uh, you know, the, just the amount of time he spent here and breaking Priest Holmes' record and doing the things he's done for this organization. I think our fan base really, really have a place in their heart. And not only because, I mean, we, me and him, we go to church together. So I got a, I got a, I got a special play. I still have a Jamal Charles jersey I wear on the weekend sometimes. So I'm a fan of his. So I'll be giving him a standing ovation um, because I just appreciate any guy who puts that kind of hard work in. With his size as a running back, you know, they don't, they don't last long. You know, running backs, they get hit, hit every play. And he just, I mean, he just overcame so many odds, man, to really make Kansas City his home. And I think that no matter where he plays for, it's kind of a job, but it'll always be uh, welcome back home to KC. Key for me here, and I think it's a big part of it, is this is a guy who was released. Yeah. It's not like he demanded a trade. It's not like he left in free agency. The Chiefs said, we're done with you. We think your career's over, at least here, because we don't think probably your knees can hold up, things like that. And they let him go. So just like if you break up with a girl and then she gets a boyfriend, you'd be mad at her for it. I think that'd be pretty <laughs> stupid of you to do. So like I, I would cheer him for sure. Like I think Jamal Charles matters as much to Kansas City as Brett Favre did to Green Bay. And he sort of deserved the booze because he was looking to kind of yeah. get out of there. And, and he was like intentionally trying to stick it to the Packers, which I don't think Jamal had like right. a bunch of different options and chose the Broncos to stick it to right. the Chiefs. He, he, I think the evidence shows – it's probably his only offer. He mentioned San Fran and Seattle both didn't want him, and, and Denver did. They gave him a shot, and he's become a pretty good backup for him, and we'll get into more about his on-the-field play a little bit later. Another storyline I think it's not really getting talked about a lot in Kansas City is this is the third week in a row where the opposite team of the Chiefs is pretty desperate. You had the Steelers who were a mess when they needed a win. They came in and got it. The Raiders were about to be buried, would have been 3-5, and 0-3 oh in the division. That's a bad bad hole and now you have this Broncos team that's three and three they had to confirm that their quarterback was their quarterback earlier this week this is another team that really needs a win and Von Miller said it last week we're in a bad spot yeah I think that's a great point actually about the desperation part because that does probably play some sort of role in how you approach the game I think the difference is I just don't think the Broncos are good enough 
You know, I thought the Raiders were just making some miscues. We're still a pretty good team. Same with the Steelers. Um, and they had it in to turn it around because, you know, deep down they're good teams. I just – I'm not sure that the, they're good enough to do that. I think what we have to do is just – you have to be aware for anything. When, when a team comes in desperate, trick plays, flea flickers, uh, reverse pass, double reverse pass, things that they would use later on in the season, they have to kind of push the pace. So now all those, those – those uh, plays they're saving for week uh, 13 and 14 that surprise people. Right. They're, they're, their life is on the line now. So now they kind of bring out all the tricks, like you're saying, especially on special teams and stuff. You have to be prepared for everything. And then when it comes time to really put them away, you got to realize they're going to fight until the last whistle. So at the end of the game, you're about 10 points, two drives left. I mean, you got to be ready to stop them. You got to be ready to put points up, get it first down when needed to close the football game because you're fading a, a, a desperate opponent. Yeah, I don't think Denver is as good as Kansas City, but this is going to be another brawl. I think it's going to be a classic Chiefs-Broncos game, a lot of desperation from Denver. I don't think it's going to be an easy win for the Chiefs. I don't want to spoil anything, but I still think the Chiefs have a little bit of an edge as we get to predictions a little bit later. Uh, So, yeah, great Monday night football game. Good night to be at Arrowhead Stadium as long as you bundle up because we are getting cold out here, boys. Another storyline, a loss for Chiefs kind of enters you into that panic mode into maybe being a repeat of last year's Vikings. We saw the Vikings jump out to 5-0 and start last year and finish 8-8. Eight and eight. And then, like, the scariest part about that is not that I think the Chiefs are going to be like the Vikings. It's like, that's very possible to happen. Yeah, it, it, it is possible. The Vikings kind of came out of nowhere and started 5-0. and The Chiefs were an established good team coming in who have been winning 10-11 games. So I think that's the difference, that it feels like the Chiefs' start is more real. But, yeah, if you lose this game, Dallas... You know, you're five and four. It's like quicksand. I guess, I guess the positive is that the schedule really does open up in the second half of the season for the Chiefs. So I'm, I'm still a quarters guy, so I'm still saying we're, <laughs> we're in the second quarter. We're one and two. We need to make sure we don't have any losing quarters. So we have to end up two and two. We have to win this game. So this so is we, a bigger deal in, in the quarter theory for you on oh, Monday definitely. night than maybe it wouldn't be for people who definitely. don't subscribe to I, I'm looking at this as a must win for us. Okay. Interesting point about this game and the final storyline, mini storyline I'd call it about this game, is this is the last of prime time until week 15. I know you and I are happy about this. We can actually go to bed at a decent hour, but you think that makes a difference? Maybe you can slide back under to the radar? Maybe a little bit because they have been on national TV, what, four times so far this year, I think? I don't know. It's been a couple. Or three times, yeah. I know it's been a couple 2 a.m. sleep nights for the Swing, and I haven't, I haven't loved it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I don't. I don't think it matters um, as far as like going, you know, running under the radar or anything like that. If the Chiefs rattle off five wins in a row, they're all going to be talking about the Chiefs as the best team in the league, whether they're on prime time or not. So I think it was a nice little boon for the fans to see their team on prime time in the first, you know, six weeks of the season. And next week is a is you know the Cowboys, so twenty five million people will watch that game too. Right. Uh, so I mean, Chiefs play well. It's the NFL. Everyone will know. Yeah, as a primetime player myself, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, as a player, you, you enjoy primetime games. A, a Dion reference in I there? I like that. Uh, <laughs> you know, as a player, you enjoy the primetime game because you want to be one of the only games on. But when it comes to your actual performance, I think most players would admit um, having that constant schedule, that consistent schedule, you know, just every Sunday at noon, every Sunday, you know, 3 o'clock, I think that's what you would prefer, having that, you know, the consistency in your rest, your preparation for the next week. So I think that the team itself probably looks back to getting to a little bit more of a normalcy in their schedule. All right. Well, there you go. Those are your storylines for Denver on Monday night. When we come back, we'll talk X's and O's. This is the Arid Pride Podcast. Stay with us.
Welcome back to the Arrowhead Pride podcast. Pete Sweeney here with Sean Barber and Joel Thorman talking about Monday night football versus the Denver Broncos. We're talking X's and O's here. Chiefs offense, number three in the league as far as yards per game versus that Denver defense, number one defense in the league. Alex Smith, of course, asked about the Denver defense this week. Uh, really good. I mean, really good across the board. Um, it's hard to say whether or not, you know, on, on the front end or the back end where it starts. I mean, they got, they got pro bowlers all over the place, uh, but they, they've been really good against the run, no question. Uh, they got guys that can get after it in the pass game, you know, on the edge and, and uh, secondary to have, you know, guys that have been playing at that high level for a long time, you know, really three starting level corners, a bunch of guys that have, you know, gone on to pro bowls and play. Linebackers are athletic. Uh, so, they're well coached. They know what they're doing. They play fast. So, no, I mean, it's not a surprise that they're they're tops in the league at, at a bunch of stuff. Um, it's been like that for the last few years, I feel like. You know, it's, it's no different playing, getting ready to play these guys. They're, they're, they're good. So many names here. Von Miller has got seven sacks. Derek Wolf, Vance Joseph said if he can go, he will. Brandon Marshall in the secondary, Akeem Tlaib, some, someone Kansas City fans are familiar with. Chris Harris, and now we talked about it already. Mr. Kansas City, Shane Ray, likely back. Sean, what do you see in this Denver defense? I mean, overall, this is one of the top defenses in the league. Uh, like I said, number six against the pass, two against the run, playmakers all over the field, uh, big-name players, probably the best guy at, at rushing the passer with uh, Von Miller. They're, they're trouble. They're something you have, to be, uh, you have to account for in every drive. Big plays, they can return uh, interceptions and fumbles for, for pick sixes and stuff like that. So, I mean, to me, on offense, you have to be very close to the vest. You have to be – your game plan has to be a funda- fundamental step-by-step-by-step-by-step. Examine things. Look forward to making adjustments in the second half. If you can get 21, 24 points on them, then that's, that's a great day against that defense. Yeah, I've actually I looked it up as I was getting ready for, our, for my prediction for the game. And the Chiefs have actually put up 24 to 33 points the last two years on the Broncos and all the games. So somehow they are scoring a little bit. You know, I don't think you're going to be able to run the ball very well. And just having those two corners is going to make things really frustrating. So I say spread them out, spread them way out, get your guys in space, get Kelsey in one-on-one situations. And, you know, Tyreek, I think they're a little susceptible to the deep ball, sort of like the Chiefs. So I, I think the Chiefs can, can uh, move the ball a little bit on them. For me, in this game too, and it's a factor, I'm bringing out Old Faithful. And Old Faithful, of course, is that Andy Reid bye week stat. And I understand this is not a true bye week but... If there was ever a time to give Andy Reid extra time to make a game plan, you want it against the Denver Broncos, and he'll get an opportunity to show what he can do and hopefully the return. I know he's been absent for a few past few weeks of the new Alex Smith. Here's Denver head coach Vance Joseph on the Chiefs offense. It takes time. You know, when you watch Andy's offense, it's a combination of the West Coast offense and also a college spread system. So it's tough. I mean, he's got a lot of personnel groups. He's got a lot of weapons that he can use, you know, from 10 to 14 to, to, to Hunt to, uh, to Kelsey. So it's a tough unit to, to get ready for, but you have to uh, have a plan for all those units. And it takes time to prepare for it. But, um, you know, we use that uh, extra, extra Wednesday to do that. So we should be ahead of that. Should we be concerned that Kareem Hunt hasn't been able to rush early in games these past two weeks? I'm not sure if concerned is it. He's not going to be able to rush this game, so I I wouldn't expect it. <laughs> is this is this finally the week we don't get 100 yards from scrimmage from for Kareem? I think so, just because I don't think he's going to be able to add many rushing yards. Maybe he can break up. Like the thing about Kareem is he's he's liable to break off like you know a 40 or 50 yard play. 
even in the passing game. So it's possible, but I would predict that this is this isn't the week. Yeah, I think our tight ends and uh, definitely the running backs at the backfield gonna be something we have to really focus on. Um, you have to, you know, you, with with Denver's defense, man, you just got to take what they give you. They're gonna give you short passes. They're gonna give you some stuff over the middle, and you got to be willing just to take dink and dunks, dink and dunks. Oh no, you're talking about the old Alex Smith, aren't you? I'm cool with the old Alex Smith. Don't no. turn the ball over. No. Dink and dunk, dink and dunk. You only have to give Hunt the ball about five yards for him to take it forty. You don't have to throw the ball for it. You don't have to throw the ball down the field in order to have a 40-yard game. And for me, too, when, when Kareem Hunt has the ball, it's really just a 10-man defense because that first guy, no chance. <laughs> no chance against the first guy. He seemingly just defeats him one-on-one every time. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, uh, he's very good, um, as we've seen through seven weeks. And one other interesting stat I saw about the Broncos defense is that they do give up you know, a bunch of rushing yards when they're in their sub package, which is interesting. I don't know how often off the top of my head the Chiefs run out of those packages, but uh, they are a little vulnerable there. Second worst in the league, the worst in the league at uh, rushing yards given up in the nickel, Kansas City. Oh, well, there you go. Eight <laughs> yards a rush. Eight <laughs> yards a rush. Quite a self guard with that one, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> Ty Hill is a big part of this offense, and I was looking at the stats this week. It was surprising to me. It's been a very quiet year as far as what we've seen. You know, we've only had a few spots where Tyreek will get a touchdown, but then at the same time, he's quietly number five in the league in receiving yards. And Alex Smith was asked about what makes Ty Hill so good this week. He's the last guy I'm, I'm reminding about things, and, and um, he's got he's maybe the guy we do the most with. I think you know as far as verbiage and, and moving around and moving parts, and you know never never have to remind him. Uh, I think the other thing is just how hard he's worked. Uh, I mean, obviously he's naturally I mean extremely gifted, but I think how hard he's worked to, to kind of transition into being a, a, a receiver full time, and how uh, you know I think just stays at his craft. He practices hard every day. He's tough. He's out there. You know, and and uh, a lot of peers, not here, you know, where there's a lot of peers at that position that, you know, uh, you don't get that every day. You don't get that effort level every day, and, and Tyreek brings it. I think we're starting to see recently a little bit more of Ty Hill and his unique traits. Yeah, you know, it it does seem like you, you said he's quietly the number five uh, receiver in the league, and I think that's because when you think of Tyreek Hill, you think of only the big plays. Right. Uh, and yet he's been quietly productive throughout the season. And I think it's it's probably an overlooked storyline that he's turned into an actual receiver. We talked about it all offseason, and it just he did it, and we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's the number one receiver. <laughs> like, of course. Yeah, and, and I just – it's just when you read it, when you read the names, Brown, Green, Cooks, Thielen, Hill. It's really an incredible season when you think of it that way. Well, I think the most important thing is that when you talk about the hard work, you talk about his uh, concentration, his focus on his craft. The toughest thing about being a wide receiver in Andy Reid's offense is that you play multiple positions. Those shifts and yeah. motions, the adjustments depending on the uh, coverage. I mean, it's, it's not like they just tell you what to do on every route and you just go run it. No, every, every route it has a – against a certain defense, it adjusts. Routes they they morph into different into different routes, different target points. You and the receiver and, and the uh, quarterback have to be on the exact same page, depending on what defense you see. And so I give him a lot of credit, and I think that he's done a great job of not only doing it but doing it in a very humble way. I think you know I it saw, was a position change. Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, but but even you know beyond just on the field in the community, you saw him in his social media helping out with Special Olympics. I um, mean, his day off this week. I mean, he's not just 
being so obsessed with football because it's success, he's not forgetting about what it means to be a person on and off the field. So, I mean, I, my hat's off to T. T Hill. And particularly, of course, important for him, and it's good to see that he's taking those steps. Another storyline about this game that maybe people don't realize is Alex Smith and Vance Joseph have a history going back to San Francisco. Here is Alex on playing Vance Joseph this week. Yeah, well, spent a lot of time uh, years there with him and would always talk to him, picking his brain. Uh, he's a guy that played quarterback in his past and then moved into the secondary and the defensive side. So he's a guy I always, as a young player, talked to about things, defenses, things like that. Um, you know, happy for him to get, you know, get his opportunity to see him, how well he's done uh, moving up the ranks. So uh, it'll be interesting going against him. Uh, you know, hopefully we get the best of him on Monday. But, uh, yeah, he's a guy I think a lot of. Hopefully we get the best. And that, that, that's the Alex <laughs> I know, baby. And here was Vance on the new Alex to complete the love fest. He's played really well, and he's got 15 touchdowns, no picks. He is he is a veteran player that's in total control of what he's doing. I mean, he's like a machine. I mean, he doesn't make mistakes, you know. So it's going to be a challenge to force him into making mistakes, and that's our that's our goal. But you know, I was with Alex for five years in San Fran. I mean, he's come a long way, you know, as far as a quarterback. I mean, he is he is a he is a sharp, sharp veteran quarterback who doesn't make mistakes. Chiefs offense versus Denver defense, Sean, the final word. Well, the good thing was that Vance Joseph is not on the field to make any plays. Because <laughs> uh, he, know, I mean, he, knows, he, knows, uh, he knows Alex Smith pretty well, and uh, Alex knows him pretty well. Um, I, I've had the opportunity to play both sides of the ball. I played you know, wide receiver when I was in high school, went to college as a wide receiver, and then switched over to the defense. And I tell you, if, if, when you've been able to play both sides, it really opens up your understanding of football in general. I mean, you see things develop at a lot quicker rate. You're able to understand and process information. We call it high-speed internet. Some players have it, some players don't. When you play both sides of the ball, your high-speed internet goes up to the max. And I think that's what Alex was saying when, when he talks about Vance Joseph, is he has a great understanding of just concepts on both sides of the ball. So I think it's going to be a good test. I think if Alex just kind of stays, like I said, stay, take what the defense gives you. Wait for the big play. Don't try to force the big play. Wait for the big play. We have big play receivers. We have, uh, you know, like you said, Hill can hit them at any time. Robinson, Hunt. Mr. Robinson. Mr. Robinson's neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then Kelsey. I mean, we, we, we have enough uh, young talent on offense that all you got to do is keep running, keep churning the offense. You churn it, churn it, and you'll get butter. Well, hopefully. Oh, I like that. Yeah. You knew he was it's trying a, to sprinkle that in there. Yeah. Hopefully it's a beautiful day in Mr. Robinson's neighborhood for the Chiefs again. The number three offense versus the number one defense. That's the elite matchup to watch. And if you have an elite matchup, you have a rather weaker matchup. The Chiefs defense coming in at number 29 in this game, not so good. Versus the Denver offense, number 26, also not, not so good. The good news, and we'll get to it, for the Broncos is that their offense is getting healthier. The bad news is that Vance Joseph had to start this week by making sure everyone knew that their quarterback is the starting quarterback. He's fine. He's fine. Again, you know, our, our offensive issues is not all Trevor, you know. And, uh, you know, he won't say that, but I will for him. Okay? I mean, he's hard on himself because he has high standards. You know, he wants to play well for his football team. But he's fine as far as confidence. Sounds like a dad checking in on his little boy. Let's check in on that little boy. <laughs> I think guys are frustrated, right? We, uh, we know we can play better. We want to play better. And um, guys are a little frustrated. That's a good thing, I think. Um, but, yeah, I um, me specifically, I have to play better. I know that. Um, I think this week, more than ever, is a, is a really big week for us, prep-wise, all the way up to the game. Do you use people doubting motivation? Not really. I mean, you know, I, th I think that's just the way it is. And you know, when it's good, it's good. When it's bad, um, not so good. I think it's um, 
it's easy for me to not get caught up in, in all that, you know, so. Did you uh, chew anybody out in the huddle as things were going bad, or is that not your style? Well, I didn't. Uh, I wasn't holding up my end of the bargain, so it's tough to um, tough to get on guys when, when you're not playing well. So I got to play better. It starts with me. Um, but I think this we had great leadership on offense. Um, guys are you know frankly embarrassed with, with what we put out there um, last Sunday. So we got to play better. I got to play better, and, and everybody knows that. I don't know. He just sounds like a broken man. Yeah, a lot of people are embarrassed. Any, anytime you have to say, yes, I'm still the quarterback, or you have to defend yourself like that, which, hey, we've had plenty of those in Kansas City over the years, um, I think you know it's a bad thing. My thing with Trevor Simeon is, is they, they have nobody to go to. Like, you can't turn the page from Trevor right. Simeon. I mean, he's, whether, you know, good, bad, or ugly, he's, he's going to be the quarterback for them for this, for this season. I know who they could go to, but I won't even start to mention that name, Colin Kaepernick. Oh. <laughs> it's still available, but uh, here's Vance Joseph on playing the Chiefs defense? Their secondary is a, you know, it's an aggressive group. You know, it's a, it's a man team. Obviously, it starts with Peters, who's, I mean, he's a guy who can make plays on the ball. Um, the Mitchell kid they've uh, picked up, I mean, he's, he's been around a while, very competitive, uh, very aggressive, and the uh, slot guy gains, he's played really well for him. So it's, it's three young guys that are, you know, great competitors and aggressive, you know, with their play. They're pressing most of the time, so you've got to win one-on-ones you know, from, from our group you know, to have success on uh, Monday night. The words of Vance Joseph, Philip Gaines has played pretty well. Mr. Joseph, we appreciate it, but Chief Twitter would vehemently <laughs> I know. disagree with you. I was just saying, like, everything loses a little bit of credibility when you can't just say the obvious that Gaines has struggled. And yeah. no, no mention of Steve Nelson at all. Like you said, you can tell by the, the Philip Gaines comment means that he's just being his coach speak. Oh, either he didn't watch the film. Either one of the two things. He didn't watch the film. He's a secondary guy, too. It's not like he's some <laughs> offensive line Gaines coach. Philip has, like, not played well. I mean, I like Philip Gaines. I think in past years he has, and he's just having a tough year yeah. right yeah. now. And so for him to say that, I was just like, what? And playing that slot, you're under a lot of pressure. It's really hard. I mean, Nelson's just a better slot player. So it's, it's, it'll, it'll, it'll be a nice upgrade. And I think the thing, too, is, and, and we talk about it sometimes as far as reps go, if you have Nelson in there and Mitchell's on the outside and, you know, Mitchell needs a blow, then I think a fresh Gaines maybe makes a difference in the second half than maybe, you know, having Gaines out there the whole time. You know, especially it's hard not to bring up with Gaines, but he literally has not been the same player since that Green Bay injury a few, few years back. Yeah, and those, you know, sometimes those injuries are really tough on guys. It's not like he was a big, big guy to begin with. Like he's always been like really, really light. And I wonder, you know, how susceptible he was to – maybe other injuries. I'm not sure. It just seems like he's, you know, maybe doesn't have uh, the ball skills uh, compared to somebody like Peters, who's elite at it. It really stands out when you see the ball hit gains between the eyes and a key part of the game. Well, I think one of the most important things, <laughs> <laughs> having Nelson back, Antonio what it's going to do is going to open up the personnel decisions all over again for the defense. So now we're not forced to go with three safeties and three DBs. Having the opportunity to have four cornerbacks on the field, I think it allows you to do a lot more things with defense. I know the media Everybody's been very, uh, very, very hard on Coach Sutton about some of the things, the, the vanilla defense, to how we're everybody's exactly where you know they're going to be at. It's easy for offense to attack them if we don't change things up. We're not they only care about the only the problem is they only care about this when they're losing. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? Like you weren't <laughs> yeah. saying anything about this vanilla yeah. defense when they were winning for five weeks. That's right. Vanilla ice cream was good when when that was, when everybody. But was it's the easy, only right? ice cream in town. Vanilla ice cream is fine. 
It's just when you see these other exotic chocolates uh -huh. and pistachio. It's you know salted caramel. Give me yeah, salted <laughs> caramel. Give me my vanilla ice cream. It's it worked for five weeks. There's nothing wrong with vanilla ice cream. It's just been a tough time for. I mean you know the milk's been a little bad. Well, we'll get the vanilla ice cream back to where it where it's been in the past. Uh, all right, moving on because I have to get over this analogy. The the Broncos are pretty banged up right now at the wide receiver position. We've seen it with Emmanuel Sanders still not practicing as of yet, and we're talking to you right now on Thursday. If you're, or I'm sorry, it's Friday. We're talking to you on Friday if you're listening a little late. But it seems like everyone is getting healthier for the Broncos on Monday night. Both Cody Latimer and Isaiah McKenzie looked fast, according to Joseph, on Thursday. Who knows if we can even trust Joseph anymore, but he said that they looked fast. And what the underrated part of that is, is Latimer provides a gunner for Tyreek who's been a problem for the Broncos in the past on the punt return, and both of them return kicks for the team. So those are two players that could make a huge difference in the game. Well, I don't even need the names. Whoever's going to line up on that left side against the Chiefs' corners is going to get 120 yards and a touchdown, which has been pretty much proven. Like, I'm not even, I'm not even like, joking at this point. Like, you go back and look at the numbers, and that's what happens to that side for whatever reason. Like, I think, I think they're battling, they're competitive, all that sort of stuff. What, for whatever reason, that side just gives it up. It seems like they're, like, I hate to say this. It's just how I'm going to describe them. It's, I don't mean to be rude, but it just seems like the left side is, like, the jump ball chumps. Like, they always lose the jump ball for chunk yards. Like, I, and I hate that, but it's true when you look at the numbers. Yeah, and I think it's been almost every week. There were a couple of tight ends sprinkled in there who got you know, 90 or 100 yards and was the leading receiver, but a lot of times it's been, yeah, that side. So I'll, I'll go ahead and say whoever's lined up over there, let's, let's – uh, Let's chalk them up for 120 and 6. Candidates for that, if no Sanders or A.J. Darby and Benny Fowler, they were featured a bit more. If you remember, Benny Fowler in that Sunday night game had that long touchdown that you thought would put the Broncos ahead for good. So he's a good player, too. What do you, what do you make of these receivers, Sean? Man, I'm not worried about Darby. I'm not worried about Fowler. I'm not worried about Lattimore. <laughs> Pete's like, Kenji. if you remember Benny Fowler, and I'm, Chiefs fans are like, no, we don't, yeah, Pete. I'm, I'm, I'm checking all those guys off. It's, it's, it comes down to one person, man. Emmanuel Sanders. If he's there, then we got something to worry about. If he's not there, I think that – it's uh, manageable. Mitch, yeah, anybody. Mitchell Gaines, I think they match up against these other cornerbacks, I mean, these other wide receivers very well. You think it's the elite wide receivers? Yes, yes. Okay. Well, yeah, those, those guys are certainly not elite, like the Amari Coopers and the Antonio Browns. Juju. <laughs> and so, someone's still got to throw him the ball. And the, <laughs> and the Chiefs don't lose to bad quarterbacks very often. Last bad quarterback they lost to, Mariota or Jameis Winston, they're not really that bad. I mean, you have to go back to like 2015. One of those Texans games. They just don't lose to bad quarterbacks. Well, they got a good. I'm got hanging a, my hat on that all they week. Got, they got a bad one coming in this week. We talked about the pageantry of Jamal Charles being back. Now let's just talk about how the Broncos will use Charles. I ha I had an interesting quote here from Joseph again. We we said it already a couple times. We don't know how much we can trust this guy, but here were his quotes on Jamal Charles usage on Monday night. I think the game dictates that, you know. We go into a game with a plan, and we have specialty plays for Jamal, Book, and CJ. But as the game goes along, it depends who's hot. You know, it depends how the game's going. You know, if we're – if it's an even game or we're down by a score or two. So, I mean, that that kind of affects how the play calling goes. But, you know, he's healthy. Yeah. I mean, he's shown explosion. So, the more we can use him, it, it'll help us win. So, absolutely. I kind of think they're going to feature Jamal Charles even a little bit more than they have been this Monday night, right? I don't know. It's been going downhill the last few weeks, the number of touches that they've seen. So, I mean, unless they were saving him for this game and now all of a sudden he's going to get 15 touches, I doubt it. I, I, I'm, going to, I'm, I'm going to give him about five touches on, on Monday night. I think, I think this is a player. 
I'll tell you a little story, just just real Uh-oh. quick. My parents love horse racing, and they will they'll tell you. You know, they got their thick New York accents. They go, Peter, if you ever see a horse poop before the race, that's the horse you bet on. And they'd run over and buy, put $2 to win on that horse. And it's usually a little faster. This guy's got to have a little bit more juice. I just think you feature him a little bit more. I'm not saying you give him the rock 20 times this game. I, I, think, I think he'll be more used in a little, bit, a little bit more of a primary role than he's been this year just because of how important this game and how hard he's going to be running. Yeah, I think, I think Vance Joseph. Uh, when it comes to his quotes and stuff, I mean, you can take them with a grain of salt. I think he just does coach speak. His first year, he don't want to say anything, no, no billboard material. He's going to kind of check all the boxes, compliment the opponent, speak about his own team, and you know, and, and back your quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just back your, you know, if you want to call him a quarterback. Wow, uh, <laughs> this is this is getting aggressive. This is as aggressive as we've been on the Airheart Pride podcast. But when it comes to Charles, I think I think he's going to feed Charles. I think he's going to let Charles. I mean, because C.J. Anderson hasn't been great for him. He had a Good one and two, you know, first couple weeks of the season. But since then, it's been kind of a layman, just kind of, you know, a jag, just a guy. And Jamal Charles, I mean, he's going to be he's gonna be running with a little bit of added emotion. He's going to be running with a little bit of added flair. So I would see him getting maybe maybe about 12 to 15 touches this game. We'll see. Especially if he poops before the game. Yeah, I just think the last three weeks he's getting, you know, five carries or less. Like, I would just – I would be surprised if he – if they gave him a lot more this week. But we'll see. And I hope they don't because I still think he's got a little bit left. Pass rush as far as this game for the Chiefs. Andy Reid made a point of it this week to say it hasn't been good enough. And even though the quarterbacks have been getting rid of the ball quick, still have to find a way to get there. You hope Justin Houston plays. I don't think there should be a concern that he'll play. It just was, again, interesting to see him pop up on that injury report. Sean, final key in this matchup for the game. I want to see the Rover from Nova. Get out on them streets. <laughs> Start turning stuff up, man. Come on, man. Let the guy from Villanova get out there. Do you, nah, like, do you like him more than D Ford? Do I like him more than D Ford? That's it's coming. It's, it's getting down to a very close, like a like I was playing around, but to begin now I'm getting a little serious about the rover getting the opportunity because, I mean, from a stat line, I think D Ford has what ten tackles, two sacks on two the sacks, season. Two sacks, yeah. I mean, I think the rover can give you that, if not more. I mean, this guy, he, he he's an X factor. He has some special traits that are uncoachable. He's like he's an X man on the field. I mean, he's like. Long so you're arms. telling me he shoots lasers out of his arm? All that. He, I mean, he, like, like, <laughs> like, you just don't know what to get. You don't know what you're going to get from the rover. So, uh, with Zombo, you know, hashtag, hashtag free, uh, free TK. So free I th- TK. I think I think the thing about the the pass rush and D Ford is, can anybody tell me which games D Ford missed? Who? D Ford? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you don't even remember which games he was in. I was I was thinking about this the it's other day, true. and I was He's like, off the top of my head, I'm a Chiefs writer. I do this every week. I agree. And I I can't tell you off the top of my head which ones he missed. Because um, he's such a non-factor all the time. Yeah, yeah. He and even when he gets sacks, he's not like like Houston. I feel like makes an impact on a ton of plays, even when he's not getting a sack or you know recording the stat. The stat Ford just doesn't. He's he's kind of a one-trick pony, which we talked about in 2014 when he was drafted, and he's and kind he, of been that guy. But if you can be a one-trick pony and get 12 sacks, like I got I got space for you, man. But if you can't, if you're not getting sacks and you're not stopping the run. But that's the thing, here? like if the run gets going, like say C.J. Anderson or Jamal Charles gets going early, you'd almost rather have Frank Zamo in there. Yeah, yeah. Or see what T.K. can do. See what T.K. can do. I mean, he hasn't played like at all. They must be just redshirting He's it, pretty raw. Yeah. I, 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 think, I think that's what it is. I mean, you saw them basically redshirt LDT, and then he came out like a brute force ever since. Maybe that's the right Demarcus call. Demarcus Robinson, too. Yeah. He basically did that. Yeah. Robert. All right, well, listen, that's your X's and O's rundown for this game. Should be a good one. Again, it's the Chiefs and the 
Broncos this Monday night at Arrowhead Stadium. When we come back, we'll do our game predictions. We'll read your tweets. Don't go anywhere. Switch to Sprint Unlimited Basic, featuring TV from Hulu and 500 megabytes of mobile hotspot. Plus, for a limited time, get five lines for only $120 per month. Hurry to a Sprint store or call 1-800-SPRINT-1. Offer ends 8-16-18 after 131-2020. Pay $32 per month per line for five lines without a pay. One Hulu limited commercial plan for eligible Sprint account. MHS reduced to 3G speeds after 500 megabytes per month. Coverage and offer not available everywhere. Excludes taxes, fees, and roaming. Requires new lines. Subject to credit and 3 activation fee. Video streams up to 480p. Speed maximums, use rules, and restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Arrowhead Pride podcast. We're talking now predictions for Monday Night Football. We have real MN Chiefs fan Seth Kaiser on the line. But as usual, we're going to start with the player. Sean, what do you got for this game? I got, uh, I'm going to start with my Gruden grinder. The Gruden grinder for this game is going to be Harry Butt Kicker. He's going to go five for five. <laughs> what you laughing at, brother? <laughs> He's going five for five. This, 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 uh, I'm not mature enough to hear that. Oh. <laughs> so he's going to go five for five this game. He's going to lead the uh, lead the Chiefs in scoring. Uh, I got 27-10 Chiefs. I think the Broncos will also score 10. I've got 19-10 Chiefs with four butt kicker field goals. I think the Chiefs will be able to move the ball a little bit, but the Broncos defense is good. They'll hold them. So I got 19-10 Chiefs. You know what? I was going to say 24-14 Chiefs. But I'm going to say 24-10, just so we're all on the same page today. I, I think the Chiefs rebound here. I think betting against Andy Reid off of any extra time is a way to lose your money. 24-10, to 10, Chiefs. All right, Seth, you're up, brother. Oh, man. Um, I feel a lot of pressure to go with 10. So, <laughs> I, I, think that's a, I, I think that's 10 is a pretty good guess, but I'm going to go a little higher. I'm going to say 13. Oh, the man. defense still scares me a bit. I'm going to say the Chiefs win 27-13. I don't think – the Broncos match up well against the Chiefs, even when they've been a better team in previous years and the Chiefs have been a worse team, the Chiefs have given them problems. So I, I think the Chiefs win this one. I think the defense gets back on track and, you know, the return of some guys that haven't been healthy is going to be a big deal. Once again, four guys picking the Chiefs. It hasn't worked out that well the past two weeks. Hopefully it does <laughs> on Monday night. Now, Seth, before we let you go, as usual, we're going to ask you any advice for the listeners. I do have advice. I was actually just talking to my wife about this as we traverse the, uh, the, the great white north up here. Anytime you are pulled over, the first thing the officer asks you is, do you know why I pulled you over? The correct answer is always, I have no idea, officer. Always. You never say, was I speeding? Because that goes on the ticket, my friend, and evil prosecutors like myself We'll use it against you. There's my legal advice. That is actually a very nice tip. Thank you, Seth. <laughs> I'm going to uh, speed yeah, on the way home. Have a good, wonderful... <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll drive past and take chances. It'll be great. <laughs> have a good, wonderful rest of your right, date with care. your wife. Take care. Bye. There he is. I mean, the man, the myth, the legend. Coming in with some real good advice today. I mean, usually the advice is okay. It's a little amusing. But that's actually pretty good because I, I've definitely done that in the past where I've gotten pulled over and you're like, yeah, was did I just run a red light? And it's by, just like, by that point... They got you. You're already screwed. You can say what you want. You're not going to fight the radar. You lost. Sometimes you try to bat those eyes. Maybe it, maybe you charm them a little bit. Well, I've heard we're beyond the uh, age of handwritten tickets. And so now that it's all in computer, once, you're, once they put the license in the computer, they're writing you up. So you're, you're done. You know, one time in Kansas City, I was, I was let off with a warning. That, is, that had never happened to me in New York. So maybe they're a little bit nicer in Kansas City. Felt sorry for you. <sighs> Probably. All right. 
Time to read some of the fan tweets. Here we go. Sawyer McGregor at Sawdaw Tay. Should we trade for a cornerback or wide receiver? Sawdaw Tay, Maboulet, uh, Say Francais. No, 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 not at all. We got, we got, we got, we got everybody we need here. We all we need, we all we got, we all we need. However you want to say it. Devil's advocate. What about your boy Martavis Bryant? Oh man, well, you didn't say that. You just. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm a big uh I'm I'm a, I'm a big I'm for Martavis Bryant, but I know the Pittsburgh Steelers um they're not gonna let him go into the AFC. He's so. not even. They're not even playing him on Sunday. Yeah, whether they play him or not, for even for the rest of the season, they wouldn't trade him to the AFC. You can't let a, a, a weapon like that come back to haunt you in the playoffs. So. No, they're not, we're not going to be able to get him. But no, I'm. I'm. Uh, I, what, what was what was the original question again? I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just French. about to say something. I was like, wait a minute, what did he ask? Yeah, cut over my French. Should the Chiefs trade for a cornerback or wideout? It would would be cool, but no, uh, they're not going to, and they probably shouldn't, uh, unless it's Martavis Bryant. I'm not sure there's anybody out there that's going to be an upgrade over their top three receivers, including Albert Wilson and Demarcus Robinson, and somebody who would actually fit into this offense, as Sean said earlier. You know how many how many positions you need to know as a receiver. So I just I just I don't see it. You know, here's what I think about this. I don't know what you're going to get on the field right now. But for the emotional boost, he's been around the team lately. Bring back Dwayne Bow. Give me him for one game, man. You know, pass it to him. Let him fall to the ground really quickly. For old time's sake, it'll be great. Bow will put up 15 touchdowns. Next question. Glenn Marity. I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, at Marity 20G. If you could pick one single position on the Chiefs defense right now to upgrade for a playoff run, what would it be and with who? Pass rusher Von Miller. No, okay. Is yeah, that not good. I, who wouldn't replace D Ford as Von Miller? He makes a good point. <laughs> I I think I think what, what I think what the question is asking is like which player in the Chiefs defense would you replace? Oh, D Ford for Von Miller. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. that answer is better. Um, I do think the weak point is that slot corner. Uh, which is often gains. I think they are going to upgrade that a little bit. So that's probably the most realistic position I would take. But other than that, I would take Von Miller over D Ford. I wish they had done it a long time ago because I know he was available. The price was probably too high. But Richard Sherman, he's, I mean, he's still pretty good. And, I mean, he would really shore up that side that you always have problems with. So I don't know. But I don't, I don't think the Seahawks let him go, similar to the, the Steelers, I don't unfortunately. Think they can, I don't think they can afford that either. With your boy. Martavis Bryant, right? Cap, the cap space. Was. Cap. I got a Von, I, I've always had like a like Von Miller's the guy. Like he's the monster. I like the commercials. I like the body wash commercials. I like. You like his glasses the, when he does the dance. You got to get some Von Miller glasses. You know, those are a little know. too small. Yeah, I get, I guess, I'll have some Vons in a few weeks. Now. No, you come in here with some Vons, we're sending you right back out. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle Coffee at Kyle Coffee Eleven. How great is it to see a team led by Elway struggling at the QB position? It's terrific. It makes me sleep better at night. I feel great about it. Elway's probably the biggest sports villain in Kansas City. I mentioned Jamal not being a villain earlier. Uh, Elway is, absolutely. So anything that causes Elway emotional distress, I feel good about. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I was, I was Elway's can't be wishy-washy on Elway. I was an Elway's fan growing up. I mean, I like, I like John Elway. You know, you know, the cowboy. Like, like John Elway, like, you know. Like, John Wayne. They, they, like John Wayne, yeah. <laughs> Elway's like John Wayne, this but he played football. For John, <laughs> I, I mean, I don't Disgusting. know. I was, I was, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I was never a Bronco hater, really. I hate the Raiders. I don't like anything about the Raiders, but the Broncos just was another team to play. 
Fair enough. I mean, I can't say I ever suited up for the Kansas City Chiefs, so I guess your word is better than mine. Last question from Jesse Bates at the Chiefs Fan 24. If Jamal isn't back with the Broncos next year, any chance he makes a return to red and yellow? And let's call it for a season, not just like the one day retire as a Chief. Is he back to red and yellow for maybe a season? One final go. Absolutely no shot. Yeah, no, no, no possible scenario. Our team is a young team. We're building for the future. Um, I wouldn't see. I mean, the running back position is pretty much solidified with Hunt, and then a few backups to kind of give him a break. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you wouldn't get an age veteran to. It's going to be young guys coming out the draft. College is full of some young guys, so you're always looking for that next Hunt. You're not looking for, to to relive the past. Yeah, I, I'm going to do. I'm going to do a, a little bit of a ceremony here. You can't see me and you're listening on the podcast. I'm putting the hand out like they do in Gladiator, and it's thumbs down. <laughs> Jamal Charles will not be back as a chief. I think, I think maybe that's ceremonious at the end of his career. will be back for one day, do the retire a chief that they've been talking about for Tony Gonzalez for years and years. But the, the problem is he just loves the Atlanta Falcons like a little <laughs> too much. But, uh, yeah, no, I don't, I don't see Jamal back for a final ride. All right. Well, listen, that's all the tweets. That's all the information. Any final words from you guys before we sign off? Sean. Oh, I'm just excited about my Gruden grinder. I'm a hairy butt kicker. How did they follow you on Twitter? Oh, at SeanBarber59. Follow me on Twitter. Tweet. Send me something. And despite what Sean says, Elway actually does suck. So <laughs> just wanted to get, set the record straight before good, we left. Good final words from the blog father. That's it. It's Chiefs and the Broncos Monday night at Arrowhead Stadium, 7.30 p.m. If you aren't coming out to Arrowhead, you're staying warm with your hot cocoa. We're not talking about Chris Jones. It'll be on ESPN. For Sean Barber and Joel Thorman, my name is Pete Sweeney. Thank you for listening to the Arrowhead Pride Podcast. Summer is here. The sun is out, and so are you. When you go, take along a clever little app called Audible so you can listen to the stories you love while doing the things you love. Outside, a walk, a run, the pool, or the beach, all better with Audible. For just $14.95 a month, you get a credit good for any audiobook from the world's largest selection. If you don't like it, exchange it anytime. So get outdoors with Audible. Start a 30-day trial, and your first audiobook is free at audible.com. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.